Good morning, Reveille. Welcome to Reveille United Methodist Church. My name is Bayo Ogunbade, and I am one of the associate pastors here at Reveille UMC. I'm so glad that you all are here to join us this morning, whether you're in person and or online. I'm happy you're here. I got a few quick announcements I want to share with you all this morning before we get started with worship. The first thing is that today we will be starting a brand new sermon series on hard questions. And our lead pastor, the Reverend Dr. Peter Moon, will be leading us in our first question of this series, Why Doesn't God Show Up? We'll spend some time today looking at the story of Lazarus with Mary, Martha, and Jesus. It's going to be a really good service, I mean, a good sermon. I think you all will really enjoy it. I also want to share that uh, back at the nine, at nine thirty today, we uh, we wrapped up our state of the church program in our fellowship hall. And if you weren't able to join us this morning, we will have it available online. And the state of the church was an opportunity for us to kind of gather together to see what we're all doing, how we did in the last year, and all the things that we have planned for the coming year. Again, it'll be available online in coming time. And lastly, I also want to share that our Sunday afternoon programs will be starting back up today. So at four o'clock today, we will be starting all of our small groups and classes here at Reveille United Methodist Church. And all the information pertaining to what's available are available on your bulletin. And it is not too late for you to sign up and be a part of these classes. You can come and talk to me if you guys have any questions about this. Additionally, you can also go online. We have a sign up genius and you can sign up for a class. With all these things being said, let us prepare our hearts, bodies, and minds for worship. May the Lord be with you.
Friends, I'd now like to invite you to stand with me in body and or in spirit for our call to worship. Arise, shine, for our light has come. God's glory has risen upon us. Despite the state of this world, Despite disappointment, despite injustice. Despite sadness, despite violence. Despite grief and despite despair. God's glory Lift up your eyes and look around. Then we shall see On this Epiphany Sunday, let us sing together hymn number 220, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Friends, let us continue in our worship of the newborn king and now join in our words of prayer of common confession. Everlasting God, we know how easy it is to forget your presence and power in our lives. Focus on our own struggles. We do not pay attention to the night sky and the stars that glitter. 
surrounded by the sounds of anger, violence, and hate. We have trouble listening to your whispers of hope and grace. Forgive us. There is no one who can hold a candle to you when it comes to mercy and hope. Touch us with your healing so we may proclaim to everyone the good news that has come in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. My friends, hear the good news. Even in light of the world's circumstances, we have a God that is ever-present with us and loves us and wants to be with us as we go through our struggles, our doubts, and our questions and fears. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And now, friends, of people who've been forgiven and redeemed by Christ's blood, I invite you to exchange signs of peace with one another, and I'd also love to invite our children up to the front. We'd like to invite our children up. We have a few coming up here, I think. Come on. Come on. We are excited that you all are coming up here today because you know what? We're going to take a little tour today on this Epiphany Sunday. Karen Rios is here. She's our director of children's ministries. She's going to be dancing for us a little bit later, so I'm going to do the children's message today. So we want to say how glad all of you are here. Come on up. And have a seat, but don't get too comfortable because we're going to be walking around a little bit in just a minute. So today is Epiphany, that's a big word, Epiphany Sunday. What is that? Can you say Epiphany? Epiphany Sunday. That's a big word, but what it tells us is the story of the wise men, right? And the story about how a star shone. Now the wise men lived like 600 miles away from where Jesus was born. But the star shone, and what did those wise men do after the star shone? What? They followed the star. They went all that way, and sure enough, they found the baby Jesus at the manger. So I'm thinking about this message. The wise men followed the star, and they found Jesus. Well, don't tell anybody, but you know what I did? I took a star off the Christmas tree. So I have that here, and you know what I'm thinking? I think we can hold the star. Let's take a star tour, and let's follow the star, and let's see if we can find Jesus. Should we do that? Or right, I'm going to do it this way. Come on, follow me. So you all just come on up, follow the star. Here you go. Come on. We're going to walk up here a little bit, and if we walk up here, we can hold right here. See, I think I see the baby Jesus somewhere up here. Do you see the baby Jesus up there in the... 
Yeah, you see? So we follow the star, just like the wise men. We, we find the baby Jesus. Well, let's keep going on this thing. Come on, follow the star. And you see what over, we can't see it. Do you see that baptismal font over there? Some of you were baptized there, and you've seen people be baptized, and brothers and sisters baptized. You know what? Every time we do a baptism, we see Jesus. And we see it in the love and in the water and the forgiveness and the hope. So let's keep going on our star tour. Come on. What, what do we have up here? That's called a pulpit. But we read the Bible from there every week, right? And sometimes we read it from there too. And then we tell people about Jesus. So we believe that when we read the Bible, we get to see Jesus. But wait, there's more. Come on down. So you all hang right here for a second. Now I want you all to stand here looking at the star. And look at all those people out there. There's a lot, there's a lot of people out there, isn't there? And see, they're all smiling, aren't you? Aren't you all smiling? And you know why they're smiling? Because Jesus made a promise that wherever two or more are gathered, that he's with us. So that means, look at all those smiling people out there. That means Jesus is right there. So one of the things we remember is just like the wise men went to follow Jesus, they followed the star, we've had a little tour to see all the places where Jesus is here today. All right? Let's put our hands together and let's say a prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you're right here, right now. Help us always to remember that. Amen. All right, this concludes your star tour for the day. You all go on and have a seat. join me in praying the prayer for illumination. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's first scripture reading is from the book of Matthew. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This may be found on page 783 of your Pew Bible. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you? 
Bethlehem and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading for the morning comes from the book of John. Reading in the 11th chapter, it is the familiar story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. We invite you to listen to these selected verses from the chapter. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and Martha and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, After having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, as your word is offered and proclaimed this day, it is our prayer that as you showed up there with grieving people, that you would show up here also and speak to us, convict us, and convert us. For we ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, this morning we are beginning our Hard Questions sermon series. And for the next six weeks, we are going to ask some hard questions. Questions which are out there, questions we may have of God, questions which the people out there are asking of us, asking the church. And as we enter into this series, a reminder is in order. Why are we doing this? Well, first of all, we're doing it because God does not mind it when we bring hard questions. We live in the conviction that our God can handle everything that we bring God's way. But, but we also uh, know that the world is a better place when you and I, even in our belief, acknowledge that we don't have it all figured out. We always have to enter into the Christian faith, certainly with an element of confidence, but also with an element of humility, recognizing we need to ask questions. I really appreciated some of the words in Adam Hamilton's most recent book entitled Doubt. Where he, and I'm putting it probably more succinctly than he would, but in the book he says, you know, one of the problems we have in our country today is because so many people, dare we say so many of us, are absolutely and without a doubt convinced we are right. Well, we're going to speak more to that next week uh, in our next hard question, but this morning we're going to enter in with a question, a hard question, that's not so much on the political side. And the question is simply this, why doesn't God show up? Why doesn't God show up? Now, admittedly, at first glance, this is not the right question for the morning. As we share with the children, um, this is Epiphany Sunday. It's all about God showing up, about God surprisingly showing up in the lives of faraway pagan folks through a star and calls them to Jesus. And what's amazing about the story, God takes initiative to reveal himself to people 600 miles away and draw them into that place of Bethlehem. Now the point of that is that God wants to reach everybody, not just us. And again, we're going to talk more about that next week. But have you ever thought about our themes that we have all through the Christian year um, within the church. The theme of every season, with the exception of Lent, is all about the opposite claim of our morning question, how how God does show up. You know what, in just a few months, we're going to be together in this place celebrating Easter. It's all about God showing up. God is alive. Christ is alive. God is right here. God is, Christ is present with you uh, in each and every circumstance. We're going to go a couple weeks and get to Ascension Sunday, which means God is even more present because Jesus is the right hand of the Father. Sunday after that, we're going to talk about Pentecost. 
how the Spirit shows up in visible ways to enable you and me to do things we cannot do on our own. And then we're going to make the whole cycle back to Advent. Advent, the central word of Advent is Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, this afternoon we're going to start a new study on the Gospel of Mark that I'm going to be leading. First thing Jesus says, the time has come, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I think you get the point of all of that. The emphasis throughout the year is about how God is here, God is near, God is present, God is available, God is imminent, all of that week after week. And every single one of those claims is true, and we will continue to push the pedal hard on God's presence with us. But do you see how it also could set us up for disappointment? Especially if you miss the six weeks of Lent. Especially if you miss Good Friday. But that's the beauty of the Scriptures, when you stay for the whole story. There's lots of people, and lots of peoples within the pages that are asking this question that we have today. Why hasn't God shown up? Think of the story of Abraham and Sarah. God appears, promises a gazillion descendants, all these wonderful, miraculous promises that will endure for eternity. And yet they are limping their way into old age. Where's God in all this? There's the people of Israel, 400 years in slavery. 400 years. That's like between the settlement of Jamestown and now in Virginia. All those prayers for centuries. Please, where are you, God? That's not to mention the person of Job asking the question. Not to mention Jesus in the garden, Jesus in the cross. The list goes on and on. But of all the stories, this morning <clears throat> we come to a helpful and relatable story, I think, for you and me, about real people who are hurting and asking the question that we're asking today. It's a familiar story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Perhaps you know that they have a very close relationship with Jesus. They love Christ, and the text is clear that Jesus loves them. So it's a no-brainer. Lazarus, their brother, is sick. They send for Jesus. But Jesus is a no-show. It would appear that he actually delays his departure, even though he's needed. And their brother Lazarus dies. Have you ever been there? Have you ever spoken with people who have been there? Life goes south. Something happens in your life, something where you have a need, and you need Jesus. And maybe you offer up that 911 prayer, but seemingly nothing happens or will happen. All you hear is the sounds of silence, to use that old song. And the point of all this is it's easy to overlook the innate, inherent tension that the Scriptures put forth around this question. Because the scriptures and our worship is full of promise about Jesus as Emmanuel. But there's all these other stories of God's seeming absence in trials. So there's this alternate theme going on through the pages. And what happens is it creates tension, but the tension can create power and hope for you and me. Because it has a purpose. Now, it can certainly drive and has driven people away from the faith or to cynicism. But there's another option. 
this tension, this thematic scriptural tension can drive you and me to a deeper understanding of who our Lord is. And in that deeper understanding, brothers and sisters, there is power. Power to endure, power to overcome, power to move forward in the midst of anything that comes our way in this world. You know, it's been interesting, uh, in these past weeks in preparation for this sermon, I've been reading stories of suffering. I've been reading the, about the faith of folks who went through the Holocaust, the story of Viktor Frankl, Corey Ten Boom, other Holocaust survivors, stories of people who have endured medical challenges, looking for God in the midst of it all. But most notable in my reading this week was a story that I heard once again in a deeper way of Mother Teresa. If you know her writings, she suffered severely in the midst of this question. I read an article entitled, The Saint Who Conquered Darkness by Franciscan author Kerry Walters. And he says this, Her letters revealed that except for one short period, Teresa had been afflicted with a deep sense of God's absence for the last half century of her life. Such was her unflagging dedication to the work she'd undertaken for God that most of the world was completely unsuspecting of her spiritual darkness. He goes on to tell about how longtime critic Christopher Hitchens declared that the letters where Mother Teresa spoke of all this revealed Teresa to be, and I quote, a confused old lady who had ceased to believe. But Christopher Hitchens was wrong. She, meant, she simply endured and encountered the reality of the tension of which we speak and found power in the midst of it all. And when I hear of her struggle and struggles of others, it seems like those going through this darkness, this time of emptiness, this time of suffering, they find themselves, and ourselves perhaps, asking two unspoken questions that come up whenever life goes south and we're trying to find God. Two questions, thematic. First, is God still good? If I'm going all through all this, is God still good? And the second question, of course, is if I'm going through all this, does God really have all the power that there is? Does God control the universe? I mean, maybe God isn't as good as I thought. Maybe God really doesn't engage in the realities of this world, but just passively sits back and watches to use that old song, from a distance. Is that who God is? And when you listen to our story, the dialogue between Mary and Martha, you hear these questions underneath the surface. Especially in the first thing Martha says to Jesus, I quote, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here. You hear the implicit question? Lord, do you still care? We thought you were good. We thought you loved us. And then do you see what Jesus does? Lovingly counters with the famous claim about him being the resurrection and the life, and then challenging Martha in her belief about that. And what he does there is he reminds them of the power he holds and who he is. And in his tears at the graveside, 
You also, it's important to note there's a sense of anger and frustration that the people at the graveside don't get what's going on. Who is here? The possibility, the potential, because the resurrection and the life is right there in their midst. The one who does have all this power. And you see the answer here, friends? Most of us, when we're looking for that que- the answer to the question, why doesn't God show up? We're looking for an academic explanation that would somehow make a sense and we seemingly would make it better. God doesn't respond that way. Instead, God answers us with a person, Jesus Christ, and answers it defiantly. In Jesus, there is goodness. In Jesus, there is compassion. In Jesus, there are tears at the graveside. In Jesus, we're reminded of that line, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And at the same time, this Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and as such, has all the power that there is, no matter what you and I are going through. In other words, even though we weep at the struggles of the graveside and other places, in the person of Jesus, we see our God is still good. And our God's still in perfect control of the universe. And that sounds good. But how do we do it? How do we get out of that paralyzed place? Well, we keep following the story. Because so far we have been listening to the account of Martha. The strong Martha. The the clear-headed Martha. But then there's Mary. Remember, Martha goes out to meet the late-arriving Jesus. Not Mary. She's staying home. And why? Maybe she's mourning. Maybe she, as happens so easily with us, is, is emotionally and spiritually paralyzed. She asked for Jesus to come. He didn't come, so I'm staying home. But then something happens. She gets the word. The teacher is here, and he's asking for you. See what happened? Jesus calls her by name. Jesus, who is good. Jesus, who is the resurrection and life, and Jesus, who is both at the same time, calls her by name. And then, did you hear the response? One verse. Mary got up quickly and went to him. Ah, You know what? Maybe we are making this too complicated. All the discussion about tension, God being good, resurrection and life, all the same time. Maybe it's as simple as doing what Mary did. Rising up. And going to Jesus. Rising up and going to Jesus. Maybe that's what our family needs to do. Maybe that's what I need to do and you need to do in our world. Rise up and go to Jesus. I've told some of you the story of a time when I was invited to preach the Christmas grief service for all those who had died in the past year. The only thing, it wasn't at my church. I was currently I was serving at that time at the church in Farmville. Instead, uh, this service was being held at the African-American funeral home in Farmville. Now, you all need to know and probably understand the the history of Prince Edward County and the Brown versus Board of Education decision, and they closed the schools for four years. Huge amount of racial division and tension in the county that was especially there those years ago. And as a result, as in many places, but particularly in Farmville, there's two funeral homes, the African-American funeral home and the other homes. And I was invited to speak at the African-American home because I had worked with the funeral director there for a number of years. So he invited me. 
come and preach this service with all the folks in the community who have lost somebody in the last year. I got to tell you, talk about 911 prayers. I was scared to death. And I was pleading. I was pleading for God to show up. Because those prayers were absolutely warranted. I arrived, and there's a large crowd of grieving folks. I was one of two white faces in the room. And then they called me forward to preach up to the pulpit. And I did my thing, right? I talked about the pain. I, I talked about the grief. I doubled down on the tears. I used Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. How can we sing a song of joy in the strange land of grief? And I was just going down and all the pain and all the difficulty. I was getting all spooled up and I got nothing. I brought the best of my seminary training to bear on this and I was dying up there. But by God's grace, God showed up. And it all happened, surprisingly to me, it all happened with one simple word. After all the tears and the grief and the struggles, but... I said, but. And I got to tell you, something happened at that point. People started moving, nodding, encouraging, amen. And I played down on all the things that God is, that God is God all over the world. Even in Babylon, God is still God. Everybody started shouting, standing up, amen, and clapping, laughing, lifting arms. And, and I didn't know what to do with all this. So this a friend of mine who was a, a pastor, he, used to, uh, he was a wide receiver for the New York Giants. He pastored this uh, black church in Appomattox. He came out and pushed me aside from the microphone and said, we're going to church, we're going to church. And I'm not sure what I said after that, but you know what? It didn't matter. But you see, friends, what happened at that moment in the funeral home? Grieving people. There's something we can learn from our African-American grieving saints. They did that Mary thing. They heard their Lord, the Lord who is good all the time, the Lord who is the resurrection of the life, call them by name. And like Mary, they rose up, and they went to him. And when that happened, they didn't need a preacher anymore. Well, certainly maybe we can't get our arms around the question of why God doesn't show up. Maybe it's too hard to figure out exactly what's going on, and maybe it's hard to figure out if God is in control and where's all this, but there is one thing you and I can do when life goes south. We can do what the wise men did. We can rise up and go to Jesus. We can do what Job did, rise up and say, I can't figure out what's going on, but I know that my Redeemer lives. We can rise up and do what Mary did and have a living encounter with the one who is good, who is the resurrection of, and the life, and is so all the time. We're going to sing a brief portion of a hymn now that speaks to exactly what we're talking about here. But prior to our time of gathering in prayer, I invite you to contemplate this hymn as we sing this together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and rise up to follow Jesus. into a time of prayer, please join me in a verse of hymn number 340. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, 
to Jesus in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious God, we gather in this new year. We gather in this new year with new dreams and new desires, but also with old controversies, old fears, old weaknesses. But we recognize and acknowledge that you are a God of hope, and you are a God of possibilities, and you are a God who is in control as we face this new year ahead of us. We remember and acknowledge this day, O oh God, those times when you do show up. You showed up in that stable, in that manger in Bethlehem so long ago. You showed up in the stars to lead the wise people to you. You show up when we take communion together, when we go out and feed the hungry and visit the sick and care for those in need. You are there when two or three are gathered in your name. And we thank you, God that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you are never far from each one of us. In fact, we live and move in you. But we also acknowledge this day, O oh God, that there are times and there are moments when we do not see you, when we cannot hear you, when we do not believe that you are with us. And so we pray, O oh Lord, for all those who doubt, that you would help us to believe and trust in your presence, and that you are indeed Emmanuel. Help us all to have an assurance that you are indeed with us always. We pray that you are there and with anyone who is sick in any way in mind, body, or spirit. We pray that you are with anyone who is suffering and grieving a loss this day. And especially we pray for the Coots family and Leah Timmerman and her family. We pray that you are present around the world wherever there is war and conflict and division, and especially we continue to remember the Middle East and the war in Ukraine and pray for your peace to come. Hear our prayers that we lift up to you this day, O oh God. And now in the silence of our hearts, we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers this day, O God. 
And we continue to pray that you would help us in this year ahead to arise and walk to you and help us in this new year to grow closer to you and more in love with you. Hear our prayers this day, O God, and thank you that you are the light of the world that shines in the midst of the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Hear our prayers and bless us and keep us as we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we continue to respond to the word read and proclaimed, I invite our ushers to come forward that we may return to God our tithes and our offerings this day.
God, you are indeed the light of the world, and we do sing Alleluia to you this day. We thank you for this day. We thank you for all of our gifts and blessings. We thank you for all of the great things that you have done and continue to do. We thank you for being present in our lives and in our worlds. Receive now these gifts that we return back to you. Bless them, multiply them, use them for your glory and for your kingdom. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And I'd like to invite our present church council to come forward and stand on the steps that we may commission you this morning.
Please come on up. Most of you know that for the last, we just talked about this at our State of the Church meeting, but uh, for the last year we have been restructuring some of the leadership of our church and uh, making some modest changes to uh, the makeup of our leadership council and to other committees. And so we are excited to begin this year uh, with our new group of leaders here. And as they come to be, uh, begin their work together this year, uh, we take this opportunity to commission you and pray for you as we enter into this coming year. Friends, you have been called by God and chosen by the people of God for leadership in the church. This ministry is a blessing and a serious responsibility. It recognizes your special gifts and calls you to work among us and for us. In love, we thank you for accepting your obligation and challenge, and we challenge you to offer your best to the Lord, to this people, and to the ministry of the world. We invite you to live a life in Christ and make him known in your witness and your work as we install you today as members of our church council. So this day, do you acknowledge yourselves to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ? I do. Will you devote yourself to the service of God in the world? I will. Will you so live that you enable this church to be a people of love and peace? Will you do all in your power to be responsible to the task for which you have been chosen? I will. Let us pray. Almighty God, pour out your blessing upon these your servants who have been given particular ministries in your church. Grant them grace to give themselves wholeheartedly in your service. Keep before them the example of our Lord, who did not think first of himself, but gave himself for us all. Let them share his ministry and consecration, that they may enter into his joy. Guide them in their work. Reward their faithfulness with the knowledge that through them your purposes are accomplished through Jesus Christ our Lord, as all God's people say, amen. We welcome you as our church council leaders and are thrilled that you're going to be a part of our congregation in leadership. Will you welcome them as our new church leaders? We invite you to be seated. As a people who believe in Christ's presence, let us stand together and sing our final hymn, number 672, God Be With You Till We Meet Again. God be with you. 
Friends, as we go into uh, the world on this first Sunday of 2024, let me remind you that we don't know what the coming year holds, but we know the one who holds the coming year. And as we go into serve in the year that is in front of us, I invite you to remember and recall that which we have proclaimed this day, that our God is good and our God is love. Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and in him there is no place where there is no hope. Let us arise and go from this place and go to him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, as all God's people say, amen.